the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 67, technically, although what I'll actually be doing today is replaying episode 1 from exactly one year ago today. And I just wanted to play it for you guys just to reflect back on the first episode and where the show all started and we can kind of think about where it's gone from there and and how it's changed over the last 12 months. Now, some of you may have already heard this episode before, and if you have, just take it as an opportunity to review some sensory processing information. And for those of you that are hearing this episode for the first time, hopefully you will get some good information out of it as well. I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening and thank you for supporting me for the last 12 months and hope we can continue on for at least another 12 months and hopefully a lot longer than that. I just uh, appreciate all of your support and I really do enjoy getting feedback from you through email and Instagram. So keep that up and enjoy the show. On this episode, I'm going to discuss the topic of sensory processing. This is something that has been recognized by occupational therapists since the late 60s. However, it has become more and more recognized across other therapy disciplines and now other medical professionals in the past 20 years or so. Even though more people are starting to recognize the term sensory processing, not many people can actually tell you what it is. So I'm going to start that discussion here today. What is sensory processing? It is the way our brain processes the sensory information that comes into contact with our bodies. Our body receives a signal from the environment usually, and our brains process the signal and determine how to respond. This is a very broad and generic description, but here's an example. You place your hand on a stovetop. You feel that it's hot, so you quickly pull your hand off the stove. The process broken down is your hand touches the stovetop, your brain receives the signal that your hand has touched something and then processes or realize, realizes that the thing your hand touched is hot and that it hurts. So your brain tells your hand to stop touching it. This all happens in a split second. Well, at least for those of, the, of us with sensory systems that are working as they should be. The end result is most likely just a slightly sore hand for a few minutes with some redness, but probably not any serious burns. I'll come back to this later. First, I want to backtrack and discuss our sensory system more in depth. As kids, we all learned about our five senses, touch, taste, sight, hearing, and smell. In the therapy world, we use slightly different terminology for these senses. Touch, we say tactile. Taste is oral or gustatory system. Sight is vision. Hearing is auditory. And smell is olfactory system. In sensory processing, there are three additional senses, vestibular, proprioception, and interoception. Vestibular is related to the three semicircular canals in the inner ear. The system gives us information about movement and where our head is in relation to gravity. Proprioception is the sense that gives us information about where our body is in space based on on muscle and joint tension. And interoception is the sense of what is going on with our bodies from the inside. It is the sense of what our internal organs are feeling, like hunger, heart rate, bowel and bladder, or the need to use the bathroom. These last three senses are a little more difficult for most people to grasp right away 
because most of us have not thought about our bodies in this way. I will talk about these and all of the senses in more detail in this podcast and in future podcasts. I have found through working with families that there is not just one way to describe or explain the senses and how sensory processing works with each sense. It takes repeated explanations and real-life examples to help people grasp the concepts. All of us process sensory information. We all do sensory processing. So what's the big deal? Going back to the example of touching the hot stovetop, that example was one of a person with what I would consider a functioning tactile sensory processing system. Another way of looking at that example is to consider if the person touches the hot stove and leaves their hand on the stove for 10 seconds before removing their hand. If I'm looking at this strictly from a sensory perspective. In this scenario, the person is not being an idiot. The way they process tactile sensory information is different from what I would consider typical. What it looks like in their system is this. Their hand touches the stovetop. Their brain receives the signal that the hand has touched something. The brain tries to process what the sensation is, hot or cold or something else. This takes 10 seconds. Then the brain finally determines that the sensation is hot and sends the signal to the hand to tell it to stop touching the stove. In this situation, the person is likely going to have more than just a sore hand with some redness like the person in the first example earlier. This person may have some actual burns on the skin and probably blisters or worse. Most people would just think this person is not too smart. But looking at this from a sensory perspective, we understand that the delayed response was not something they could control. It is a delayed response within their brain that is creating a safety issue for this person. Now, the stovetop example is just one situation. I don't consider one delayed response in a person a problem. In real life, this person could have been distracted by something that contributed to the delayed response. This does happen to all of us in our lives, whether we realize it or not. This is a problem, however, when we determine that it is not an isolated case of distraction. It is when we start to realize that this type of delayed response is happening on a regular basis, and it is affecting our ability to function or our ability to keep ourselves safe, that we start to talk about what this is and how our sensory processing systems are working. When we take a look at sensory processing with people, we consider all of the senses, because there's a chance that if you're having difficulties with one area, you may be having some issues with other areas as well. As humans, we all have differences with how we process sensory information. That is one of the things that makes this all so interesting. Even those of us with typical sensory processing systems have our quirks, and that's fine, until it begins to affect our ability to live, make friends, eat, sleep, hold a job or drive, manage finances, go shopping, reading and writing, and all the things we do on a daily basis as part of our normal lives. I've already discussed one example using the sense of touch or the tactile sense. One thing to keep in mind with tactile processing is we often jump to thinking of it as touching things with our hands, as in my example. However, the sense of touch occurs anywhere on our skin, our arms, legs, feet, head, face, back, even on the inside of our mouths. The tactile system is how we determine not only hot and cold, but also textures of things like soft, squishy, sharp, dull, hard, scratchy, etc. 
It is the reason we are able to, for example, reach into a bag or a pocket or something and pull out a key or a pen or whatever else you may be trying to find without looking at it at the same time. The sense of taste or oral processing area is where we take in information regarding how things taste. Pretty obvious. However, like the other senses, this one could have delays in processing times or just differences in the way information gets processed. The sense of taste is detected mainly by what touches the tongue. The tongue has taste buds that detect the flavors of things and send the information to our brains to see if it is something we like or not. And our brain lets our mouths know what to do next. Go ahead and chew up the food and continue eating it, or maybe spit it back out. This sense is complicated by the tactile sense, which, as I said earlier, is also detected in our mouths. This is why we, we refer to this as oral sensory processing, because it includes not only the sense of taste, but also the tactile components to go along with this area. A simple example of this is with a person who takes a bite of food, and they decide they like the flavor of that food, but they do not like the texture. Maybe it has a sweet flavor, but the texture is too mushy for that person. This person may go ahead and finish swallowing that one bite, but then decide not to take any more bites after that. With my practice as a pediatric occupational therapist, I see a lot of children who have difficulties with this particular area. One very common example is where a child tends to overstuff their mouth with food. Many times, these kids will not chew any of the food they put in their mouth. They just shove it in and swallow it quickly. This is a major choking hazard, especially when they start eating foods that are more solid and larger pieces of things like crackers or chicken nuggets. In this example, the child displays delays with oral sensory processing because their brain is not detecting the flavors or the tactile sensations of the food at a typical rate. It is as if the child is not aware of what is going on inside their mouth at all. By the time their brain processes the first bite, they are already putting in the fourth or fifth bite. For the sense of sight or visual processing area, we use our eyes to process things that we see. This is not the same thing as whether or not our eyes are functioning in the sense of nearsighted or farsighted. This relates to how our brain processes what we see. For example, is the room too bright or too dark? Is an object multicolored or one solid color? Is the environment cluttered, which can be visually distracting? In the next sense, the sense of hearing or auditory processing is how the brain processes what it hears. I'm not talking about can a person hear, as in hearing impairment or typical hearing development. This is actually when a person hears something, how the brain processes what it hears and responds accordingly. An example of this is you're in a quiet living room at your house with your three-year-old and you call their name. Your child, your child turns and looks at you right away. This would be an example of a typical auditory processing system. In a delayed system, the child will take maybe five or six seconds before looking at you. The amount of delayed time is unique to each individual. This may not seem like a very big problem. Some people would think, well, the child is just busy playing with their toys, so they're ignoring me. This could be the case, and many times is, with children who have typically developing systems. But when it is happening consistently, we start to take notice. The bigger issue with this is when there are many things going on in the environment, which are causing noises, like other people talking in the room. The fan is on making noise, 
or the TV or the radio is on. Someone shuts a door or drops something on the floor. A person with auditory processing delays will often have a tendency to get overwhelmed in these situations. When the parent is talking to them and maybe giving them instructions, the child's auditory processing system is taking in all of the sounds from that environment at the same time. They do not have the ability to ignore the non-important sounds of the fan, the door shutting, or all the background noises in order to focus on what their parent is saying to them. This makes their response time even more delayed, if they even respond at all. Their body is too busy trying to process all of the sounds at one time, and this often results in them shutting down and not being able to respond at all. The sense of smell, or the olfactory system, is where we process what our nose detects as smells. This sense tells us if we like the way something smells or not. Some people like the way vanilla smells and other people do not. This also goes beyond the simple like or not like with some people who actually have a sensitivity to smells, which makes them have an adverse reaction like a gagging reaction or feeling nauseous. For others, the smell of vanilla may make them feel calm when they were feeling stressed or anxious before. This sense does play a large role in eating activities because it is one of the ways we gather information on whether or not we want to try eating certain foods before putting them in our mouths. Now for the other three areas of sensory processing, vestibular, proprioception, and interoception. Vestibular sensory processing is how we determine where our head is in space. Generally, our bodies determine which way is up so our head can be upright. This helps with keeping our balance so we don't tip over while we're sitting or standing in place. The system is based on the fluid and tiny hairs in our inner ears. We have three semicircular canals that have small hairs and fluid that moves through them. The canals are set in three different angles, vertical, horizontal, and one at an angle between those. When we move our head, the fluid moves through the canals and stimulates the hairs at the same time. This action tells our brains which way our head is based on the movement and placement of these fluids in the, in the canals. Our brains can take this information and decide which way we need to move our head in order to get our head in an upright position or whichever position or angle we are trying to get into. When the system is working properly, we are able to maintain our balance so we don't fall over, even if we are tilting our head to one side or another. When the system is not working properly, if the person tilts their head to one direction, their brain is unable to process the information correctly and they may, may lose their balance and fall over. This will often result in that person resisting to tilt their head in any other direction than up in the future to avoid falling over. On the other side, there are people who have the delayed response, which means they tilt their head, but it takes longer than it should for them to process the head movement. This person will often continue moving to try and get the simulation or sensation going. This is someone who loves jumping on trampolines, swinging, running, spinning movements, etc. This person's body needs the extra movements in order to achieve the sensation necessary to determine where their head is in space. In the next sense, proprioception. This is where we get information from our muscles and joints to determine where our body is in space. Not just our head, but the whole body. What does this mean? For some people, they will have trouble with motor planning or learning how to coordinate new motor movements. 
An example of this with kids is learning to do the motions for the song Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes. A child with proprioceptive difficulties may not be able to do these actions, or they may get the first one where they touch their head with their hands, but by the time they've done that, the song has already moved on past the toes and possibly into the next set of actions. For an adult, it could be a similar scenario when trying to learn a new dance or follow along with an exercise or yoga class. In other situations, you may see kids who frequently bump into other people or objects without noticing. Kids who like to fall down a lot so they can feel the crashing of their body on the floor or cushions have trouble sitting with upright posture because they're slouching a lot or slinking down in their chairs. This could also be the person who doesn't realize their own strength. They often slam doors to make them shut or press too hard when they're writing, that the pencils break. They are unable to regulate or determine how much pressure is needed to complete a task. The final area I'll talk about today is interoception. This is where our bodies determine what is going on on the inside. This is how we determine when we need to go to the bathroom, when we're hungry, when our stomach is hurting, when we have a sore throat, and so on. These are not things other people can determine just by looking at us. This area is critical for us so we can decide when we need to get something to eat or drink. It is necessary for when we're trying to potty train kids. Without this, how will they be able to learn when they need to go to the bathroom before having an accident? We can also determine when we are not feeling well and can decide when the appropriate time would be to see a doctor or take medication. You might think of this in some ways as basic survival skills on an internal level. I hope you've enjoyed listening today. I will continue next time with a more in-depth look into the specific areas of sensory processing. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me at mymidwesttherapy.com or send me an email at allison at mymidwesttherapy.com. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to the original episode one. You may have noticed the audio was slightly different and there were some popping sounds and other audio things that were maybe not so great. I've pretty much worked those things out by this point, so I think it does sound a lot better. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and thank you again for listening.